Welcome to the podcast that reaches the beaches and scratches your eaches. It's the Redenbacher, an Orville experience. I'm your co-host, Matt Murphy, joined by Commander Ben Bullerwell. How you doing, Ben? I'm doing great, Matt. Um, not as great as that introduction, though. That was untouchable. Thank you. It's it's the only thing I have to look forward to in my life. <laughs> no, I'm well, just it's certainly something to look forward to uh, for myself. Well, it just happened, and all the the listeners. I'm, I'm just kidding. I've got a root canal in two weeks. That I that I, that's really uh, you know I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> oh, must be excited for that one. Yep. Yeah. So in lighter news, let's focus on uh, the Warville. We received the transmission for season two, episode five, titled All the World is Birthday Cake, which I didn't know until I looked it up on the Orville wiki is a reference to a Beatles song, which is called It's All Too Much, which is cool because Ben's like the resident Beatles fan. I thought for sure you'd be pulling that up. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, the Beatles grew up on it, but uh, I guess I um, I mean, there's a there's a lot of Beatles songs. Oh, man. my God. Holy oh, yeah. moly. There's a lot. So. You know, in my defense, uh, I'm definitely not an expert by any means. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to throw away your Beatles fan card in your wallet anytime soon, because, like, this is an obscure, more obscure song, and it's, like, six and a half minutes, so you can't remember all the lyrics. So I'll just look at the uh, the snippet that it's from in the song is, uh, it's all too much for me to take, the love that's shining all around here, all the world's a birthday cake, so take a piece, but not too much. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's great, actually. I love that. Is that the chorus, or is that just from, like, a, a verse in the song? Uh, it looks like the chorus is, like, changing all the time. They use, like, different words around the chorus, but, like, the same uh, kind of, like, okay. last line of it's, it's, so take a piece, but not too much. I, I think, yeah, it's like a reworked chorus each time. Okay, but, neat. Yeah, that's, I think that applies probably... pretty well. And it, it's a good thing to take with your life, like, so take a piece, but not too much, you know? Don't take a, a piece and turn it into an internment camp, I guess, is how it applies to this episode. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so this episode dealt with heavy issues, like having to share your birthday with someone you dislike. Like, you know, that's probably the worst case scenario. <laughs> maybe not, like, dislike, but, like, you know, maybe uh, maybe you just would prefer to keep your birthday separate, like the celebrations, that is. Yeah, but, if but you guys yeah. haven't seen it yet, definitely uh, go watch that before this, because we'll be spoiling it and talking about it in depth. Yes, if uh, if you've not seen the episode, this is a great opportunity to pause and go watch it and come back. Be sure to come back. That's yeah, that's the yes. key. If you don't come back, we'll never know. But uh, it's the uh, it's the trust system, you know. It is a trust the system, honor system. So don't abuse the honor system. Yeah. So this episode was written by Seth MacFarlane. I think he directed it too. I could be mistaken. I'm fairly certain he did. But uh, I know for sure he wrote it, and uh, it was a really interesting one. It was some serious stuff. It's uh, not the last week was super lighthearted, but this was <laughs> serious. I bar- I feel bad joking about it even. Yeah, this was a really uh, strange episode. Uh, it's very exciting, you know, and then it takes an incredibly, like, very traumatic turn, actually. It's really horrific. Yeah, we start off early with, like, Bordis and uh, Bordis joking about, like, not wanting to share a birthday, but he ends up having to share that birthday whether he likes it or not. Yeah, and it's under much worse conditions than would have originally been planned. Yeah, so let's just get into the synopsis then. All right, here we go. Uh, so in this week's episode of the Orville, uh, so we start off, we get a replacement chief of security who's also a Salayan. We find out that was a special request by Captain Ed himself. Yeah, so Tala crew, Kiali, right, is her name? Uh, yeah, yeah, I didn't catch her last name, but yeah, her name's Tala. Tala? I think it's Kiali. I saw her in the opening credits, and her being in the opening credits is an indication, I think, that she'll be in it for the long haul. I think she'll yeah, be with us for a while. She's not our Tharl, unfortunately, but um, <laughs> on that note, bye-bye, Tharl. And no one replaces You're going to be missed. Yeah, He'll but, be around. I, I bet we'll see some more Tharl. I, I really hope so. I mean, he's quite an interesting character. But again, you know. Ed, Ed mentions that he wants a Salayan as a security guard, which as a new security officer, which is interesting. It's like it's like if Ben were to say, hey, I, I'm having a new roommate, but I'd like him to be Scottish, just like my current one. Like, you can't really request that kind of stuff. But I yeah, guess you can almost, with the union. I, I mean, I guess you can. I mean, I, I guess like for like a Salayan, it kind of almost makes sense because of like, you know, in, in being like in a like place of security, Absolutely. Um, you know, physical alterations, whatever. As we know, on on their home planet, gravity is what is it, Matt? Is it tenfold? I believe it's, it's tenfold like of Earth's gravity. So they're extremely, um, like, physically strong. So, I mean, yeah, this would come in handy for, like, your security officers. But at the same time, it's kind of strange to request a specific species. I yeah. mean, I don't know. It, it kind of rubbed me uh, in, in a strange way as well. I was like, what the? They are suited okay. for sure, though. Cause especially if it, they get, like, a female officer and be like, oh, look, here's a little girl. And then they get their ass whooped by and they don't know. That, like, uh, yeah, it's true. It works on a few levels. Like, Zelands, I think. Like, sorry, Matt. I'm sorry. Well, no, it's like having, like, a Vulcan science officer. It's like some some attributes definitely, you know, are, benefit different positions. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I guess like, um, yeah, I guess it's not really to to prefer one species over another, but it's like in specific traits, like, you know, these different um, species have evolved differently under different circumstances, which may give them like undeniable like benefits in, in certain positions in, in the union. For so, sure. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. Delane spelled with an X, so now I ch- I, I don't know if I'm, I should how I should pronounce it. Like that's really I'm sorry. Selayan is is spelled with an I thought, X. I saw on I think it was the IMD IMDb spells it with like an X X E L A Y A N. Oh my like god, Zillian. my notes are so bad. What? It's not your fault. I didn't know. No, that no, until, uh, until it's all good. But I spelled uh, it with an S. If anybody knows for sure, I'm pretty sure it is with an X, which is pretty. It looks cooler with an X, I guess. Yeah, it's more like, I don't know, futuristic, right? We're probably going to be using a lot more X's yeah. in our like, day-to-day stuff. We kind of jumped ahead because the scene, this show actually opens up on Regard 2 when they're in the like little presidential or prefect suite there talking about making first contact, which I thought was a pretty cool opening. Yeah, no, uh, I wow, we jumped too far ahead. You're right, absolutely. Okay, so yeah, take a big step back, guys. So we, yeah, we start, we really start, and there's this kind of super cool scene where we're in like an unfamiliar, very interesting, um, like interestingly decorated room. Um, and there seems to be some like very heavy, like militarized, perhaps conversation going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we find out this is like a planet that is yet to reach out to the galactic community. And they're discussing whether or not um, they're going to do it. And the first prefect, uh, he says something along the lines of, it's a simple do we or don't we? So we do. And, and there's no going back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I bet, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, there's a whole lot of a whole lot of mixed feelings about that. And yeah, the next, Ben, like, you pointed out their their emblem to me that kind of looks like it's like a looks like a like a paint swatch of like, like a, the moon or like some planetary body. With yeah, like yeah. Three things on top. It reminds me of the Microsoft logo, like the later one that's kind of like looks like <laughs> a paint uh, thing. That's just what. Okay. I, yeah, what, yeah, no, what I, I get you. Yeah. It was cool. Your initial uh, your initial reaction to it was you thought there was like it was like. 11 12 and one piece was missing representing the uh Jilliac star or something like that it wasn't yeah. quite that on the nose but i think no it was yeah. in it was in a similar light yeah it was like hey wait a minute like there seems to be like a missing fraction of this like maybe maybe you know maybe that has something to do with the like you know shunning of the Jilliac zodiac yeah. sign but Even i mean the emblem shows that their culture like focuses a lot on astrology and the planets and the stars which is pretty cool yeah, it's like, uh, especially for a a, a um, race or a species, rather, that hasn't uh, left their planet yet to be so, you know, like painted with a like a space scene on their, their yeah. insignia. It's like, wow, like, yeah, if they haven't left space yet or left to space, rather, sorry, then they must be observing it very closely and. As we find out, like they're very uh, astrology governed. I don't uh, think they have a space travel system either, because maybe it'd be insulting to go among the stars or something like that, right? Because there's yeah, no indication you, they do. You're uh, not going in the direction of Juliac, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, so we'll move along a little bit. They do make first contact. They have all these like satellite dishes and stuff that they're using for this, and they just the first message they send is, uh, "Is anybody out there?" Right? That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Is anyone out there? Which and makes sense. There is people out there, as they find out. Um, no, I, I, it was a nice opening. It was a cool, co- cold open, and uh, no, it really set up the show well. Because you're like, oh, it could be an optimistic thing, or you know, there could be a more of a twist, which we found out later on. Mm-hmm, that's right. Um, so yeah, after they send their transmission, um, uh, we find out later that uh, I think it's four years pass in the time that it takes the Orville to receive the transmission. But you know. It happens very quickly in the episode. It, so, it makes sense that it would just be like, oh, there we go. They picked it up. You know, it's nice like, that it was what? a few years. It's like on your phone, right? Like you walk into like a Wi-Fi zone. It's uh, Yeah, I find <laughs> on the first different. watching, I, know, I never really realized how much time has passed. But after a couple of rewatches, they drop like, oh, it's been like a month or, oh, it's been a yeah. few months. It's true. Like in the in the initial, like my first viewing of the episode, um, yeah, I, I was not aware of how much time was actually passing. And then rewatching it, I was like really picking up on some smaller like notes that are like dropped there. This has taken them a long time. Like this whole uh, this whole first contact that yeah. doesn't go so well uh, yeah. really really takes the Orville off its like uh, commission for quite maybe it should time. be the last contact. Am I right? Jeez. Oh, but um, <laughs> that's a that's a terrible joke counter. That's one on the board. All right, that's one on the board for Matt. Let's see. <laughs> I'm sure it's gonna go worse for me, so we'll see. Yeah. So, anyways, Who's the winner in that. Sorry, <laughs> well, uh, there's no winners in that. <laughs> 
So, anyways, uh, we get introduced to uh, Tala Kiali, the new Zelayan, and uh, she's cool. She does have big shoes to fill, for sure, because everyone loved Alara. I don't know a single person that has a bad word to say about Alara. And, and if you are one of these people that have a bad word about Zelara, just keep it to yourself. <laughs> no, you can express it in the comment section and whatnot. We've got a Facebook page now if you guys want to check it out, as well as a YouTube uh, channel, and we're on Spotify. So, wherever yeah. it's free to listen. Join us. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's a nice little bit about how uh, Tala, her, she punched her last captain in the face. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of interesting, the circumstances. Um, I guess, like, it was a, like, a female um, dominant. Yeah, uh, the Julisi, I suppose. Julisi, there you go. Um, so I guess in, in the conflict there, she had to exert kind of her Jul- dominance. Julisi, not Julisi. I got the, I was oh. off by two letters. Ah, it's still very close. Oh, I, I know. You, if this was a spelling bee, I would have given you credit. No, I, what's cool is she says they're like a matriarchal society that values, uh, you know, uh, women above men. And I think it's cool if we would see them later be a nice little name drop. Like now we got the line in there. Like I, they could, I can easily see them appearing later on in the season or next season. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think it'd be really cool as well because this kind of reminds me of uh, an episode of like Star Trek: The Next Generation. Mm. Um, I don't really remember like the entire context of things. Um, but what I do remember is that Riker was all dressed up and he was having to kind of sweet talk the their their like governing leader. Um, yeah. she kind of selected him. And yeah, in, in this like matriarchal society, you'll 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 see like Riker and he's um well he's not, you know, he's not the young strapping William Riker that we're used to. He's much more like passive and, and kind of not quite sheepish, but uh yeah, in he, the presentation. He's more laid back. Yeah, it's, it's kind of it's kind of an interesting. Um, it's kind of made me think of that in that brief moment there. For sure. So they first hear that there's like a first contact. They get a message from another planet, and Ed just lights up like a Christmas tree. Like you can tell, this is his favorite part of the job. He loves introducing new people to this whole galaxy. Yeah, I believe Gordon is like, oh, yeah. He says something <laughs> like super enthusiastic. Like he's hyped. Like the the whole bridge is honestly. Everyone is like it's. This is it, like it's like pizza day at work times ten. You know. You're, oh you're yeah. Pumped. Yeah yeah. And not like ten pizzas, but like ten times better than that. Yeah yeah. Your your enjoyment levels for sure. <laughs> what was interesting is um like right before this is is the uh the infamous birthday introduction where Kelly uh, is talking to Ed and Ed's like come on just go ask her you know you've led led him into war I think you can do this and so then Kelly comes up and says to Borders like hey Borders do you want to share a birthday and he goes no and what uh, what I took from the scene is. Kelly basically like, sits on the control panel. Like, I would love it if, like, a <laughs> missile flip out or something like that. From yeah, I noticed that as well, actually. Like, they just go to, like, you know, some, like, quantum drive. <laughs> like, whoa, <laughs> Jesus. Like, yeah, I think that's, like, a perfect bit that I think the Orville would do. I hope they do that at some point. Yeah, like, what if, I don't know, uh, you know, I don't know, like, environmental controls or uh, perhaps, like, I don't know, just just something got altered on the bridge. And yeah, no, Kelly's sure. like, oh, oh, oh. I love Borders' talk of like, no, I'm not sharing a birthday. And then uh, Gordon's got his back on. Yeah, uh, he's gonna he's gonna get half the presents, or he's gonna get less presents. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. It's kind of like, um, like I would say Bordas is thinking about, you know, he probably doesn't want to spend his birthday like partying. He probably wants to spend it, you know, with with, with his family. With exactly yeah. right. With, like, um, so, and Topa. Yeah, and then when like Kelly offers like the or suggests the idea of like a joint birthday, he's like, uh, is this an order? And she's like, well, no, I just think it'd be fun. He's like. <laughs> like I'd prefer to celebrate alone or I'd, I'd prefer to celebrate our birthday separately or something. Yeah. Uh, so everyone grabs their stuff to get ready for the first contact. We see Dr. Finn getting some medical supplies and everyone bo- aboard, getting aboard the shuttle. And Bordis is still like obsessed with the birthday thing, even though they're going this this new planet where the world is opening up to these guys like they've never seen before. And Boris is like, we're still we didn't agree on the joint birthday, did we? <laughs> So we've agreed against the joint birthday, correct? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, yeah. It's like you think about making first contact, and I mean, worlds change. You know, there's a For sure. great uh, speech, speech later. It's just yeah. beautiful. But anyway, we'll talk about that later. So they land on this planet. Yeah, right. Regard Two, exactly. So the shuttle lands on Regard Two, and as they're as. Uh, Ed and the crew are approaching the prefect and his people. Ed says, hey, do you want to just, like, change our names? I've never really liked my name, Ed. Do you just want to go by different names? Like, and he wants to go by Chad and Maxine instead. Kind of reminds me of when you have a substitute teacher in class when you're young in elementary school, and then you think it's funny to change your name, and then you realize you have that substitute teacher for, like, a full week, and you're stuck as A.J. Hodge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's funny you say that, actually, because today, uh, earlier today, I went and 
no, not today. Sorry, this was yesterday. Uh, yesterday, I went and I got breakfast, um, and I went to Tim Hortons. They asked me for my name. I said Benjamin. <laughs> they thought I said Stephen, um, and I was like, huh, I kind of know how Cat Med felt right there. I could like, just be Stephen. I could just be Stephen if I want to. And you know what? I, I actually lived it up. I was Steven. They said, yo, uh, I got an order for Steve. And I said, hey, thanks. Yo, Steve. And yeah, I took yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yo, Steve, I got you. I got you breakfast. <laughs> like, yo. All right. Yeah. I, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. But like, it sounds like a good idea. But then Ed bailed on it quickly. He thought, hey, like, no, this is stupid. Like, we're obviously going to have to, like, tell them that our names aren't. Yeah. You, know, you can only keep uh, keep the joke alive for so long before it just, you know, something slips or whatever. And, and, and it's funny. He's like, I I think they know. Like, I feel like they know or something like that, um, which is really funny. Yeah, so it turns out this Gamma Valorant system does things a lot differently. We learn that it's essentially almost the same, but then once we get into the medical facility, we realize that they, there's an awful lot of C-sections. Yeah, we witness, uh, we actually get to see a premature C-section. Dr. Finn, actually, she'll run some uh, quick tests, and, and she says that there's like absolutely no reason for this premature birthing to be like occurring. Yeah, um, she has that fantastic medical scanner there that like works like even like through like a wall and stuff like that. And you can yeah, scan the medical tricorder of like the union. Yeah, pretty it's much. pretty effective. It, it works. And thanks to like Finn and uh, Tala really get down to the bottom of like the mystery of these people pretty quickly and solve it together. Yeah, I think you're was, right. Tala has control. a big point later on that really is like a big key in the whole puzzle. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, um, so after after the witnessing of the premature C-sections at the hospital, well, actually, in that moment, uh, the doctor says uh, when Dr. Finn requests, she's like, why? Like, why? Why is this occurring? If you don't mind me asking, like, why are you doing this C-section? Yeah. He's like, um, well, you must know, like being, you know, blah, 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 uh, to prevent Jiliac. And she says, you know, like questions it, like, what is Jiliac? And, you know, he struggles. He tries to think of like, you know, maybe. Uh, like a translated equivalent or something like that from Jiliac. Like, oh, you must call it something different. Yeah. And he expresses that they're um, like criminal and predisposed, uh, sorry, predisposed to criminal and violent behavior. Yeah, his name is uh, Dr. Failar. I find he looks a lot like Will Forte, the actor. I don't know if you know who that is, but uh, he's on SNL and in a lot of the silly comedy movies. I know he's bald and the other male doctor was bald. I don't know if that's a thing that their male doctors are all bald. Of the two we've seen, <laughs> that's so, true, that's including true. the one that removes the tooth. I don't know if that's on purpose or not, but I thought that was interesting. Maybe it's more sanitary <laughs> to have, like, you know, yeah. I, 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 I can't guess. I don't know if it's by choice or what, but uh, he might be. Uh, I don't know if they're baldists or not, like uh, Costanza would say. No, but I thought that was that was cool. That was an interesting kind of touch. I don't know if that's based on their medical knowledge, but yeah, I, I would say that I, I wouldn't trust the medical acumen of these doctors on uh, of the Rogorian doctors if they're doing early births based on stars that blew up th three thousand years ago. But that's just me. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, um, like we we understand like today in planet Earth and everything, like you know, uh, religious beliefs can't really conflict with uh, like your patient's health. You, yeah. you know, you'll have to refer them to another doctor or something like that. It's hard but, to practice yeah. your faith when you're dead, I find. That's just Absolutely. Me. It's a tricky one. Unless you get into like, a really deep meditation and then you can just kind of go into the astral plane and then get it on and with your religion and faith. But that's just me. I don't, I don't know too much about that kind of stuff. After the tour, we cut to the dining hall. And this scene reminded me a lot of Shrek 2, where you can sense the tension. You know that something bad's going to happen here. I Just love to drop the Shrek 2 reference. I yeah. love it. Yeah, so next week when we're talking about Shrek 3, get ready for it. Uh, Shrek the third, actually. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a fool. <laughs> I've seen the films. I know. Yeah. <laughs> One cool thing we learned from this scene is that uh, there's no currency in the Orville. Uh, their reputation is, is their currency, which is an interesting element. Yeah, no, it is cool um, because, you know, maybe in like a utopian society, you know, I, I believe this is actually something Dr. Flynn says. She says... Um, we don't see it fit or like ethically sound to, you know, force people to like work long hours for like monetary, like, you know, things. It's like, it seems like they have like some really awesome, um, I, I don't even know what I want to call it. Like maybe like space socialism kind of thing, but like money's completely out of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, almost like modified socialism where it's like your title, like your reputation and probably the way you've lived your life and how you carry yourself and probably your criminal record and stuff like that. Your reputation is everything, which would inspire you to just, hey, I'll choose what I want to do. If I want to be a musician or whatever, I'll contribute to society that way. 
Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it just seems like a very, like, liberating means of, um, it just seems, yeah, it seems great, because obviously we live under, like, a capitalist uh, kind of thing, and where money really talks, and, you know, the rich uh, have everything, and, like, the poor, you know, don't really have enough to sustain themselves, but in this kind of uh, future that we're looking brightly in towards, everyone's really provided with, like, what they need, and it really comes down to, like, what you're passionate about in, in, in certain cases. And, um, yeah, like being, um, I guess credited to society for your education and, and for, you know, I guess like the social aspects are more about like what you've achieved as like an individual and less of like how much money you're making doing that. Yeah. If if nothing else, it it saves the show from having to talk about like, Oh, how'd we afford this? Or, Oh, I'm going to have to talk to the the union, uh, whatever about getting these new photon torpedoes or something. You know what I mean? So yeah. Yeah. It's like, we see barters, we see like trades here and there, but yeah, it's not like, yo, um, you know, union HQ, can you bill us down, you know, like a million, whatever dollars or something for. Yeah. So I think that's a pretty cool reveal and a nice little world building thing in like two sentences. And Ed says, uh, we all do better when we all do better. So yeah, pretty straightforward. I, like, I actually might put it in here in the vast emptiness of the universe. We have found a fullness of cultural diversity. And when a first contact unfolds like this, the cosmos becomes a living, breathing organism, so that within that emptiness, we become a way for the universe to know itself. We are honored to know Rigor II. That speech is really good. I'd like to put it in. I think the we all do better when we all do better is a speech from like an actual politician. <laughs> okay so like yeah, they weren't kidding when they said they stole that speech from everything that's brilliant i love it yeah he says he's plagiarized it from like nine different sources or something like that which i think yeah. is phenomenal it's like a very moving speech but um yeah like the comedic value is totally there when he admits that to kelly you're just like oh my god like that was it, so moving but it's, just it's almost like the mission statement of the orville where it's ah i kind of stole this everybody. like it's like a hodgepodge of really cool sci-fi elements and and like just love for all these sci-fi shows and it shows yeah i guess like yeah you're right in very many ways it's kind of like um just kind of like shout outs to that like ideology and you know from different sources i think that's brilliant actually yeah i hadn't even considered that matt yeah i like that, I like the, that a lot. Uh, yeah I, it stood out to me a lot when i watched the episode uh later on uh the prefect asked tala they says, oh, we've heard that you're kind or really strong and stuff like that. And she goes, oh, and he wants him, wants her to like show show him like it's a party trick. And she goes, you want me to balance a ball on my nose? Is that it? And everyone uh, gets a kick out of that too. They all laugh like wholeheartedly. Yeah, <laughs> but we still want to proceed. See like <laughs> yeah. And then she goes, oh, is this important to you? And it's like a candelabra. And I li- I like the way that she blows out each candle in- individually. Like it's like some kind of performance that she's done before. Yeah, you know, I noticed that as well on on my. Uh, this is my third watching of the episode. I noticed that. I was like, wait a minute. There's like a certain like, um, like, I don't know, like a certain grace or, or subtlety or something about like, poof, poof, poof. And then it's like go time. It's, it's, it's quite a show, really. Yeah. She's a good entertainer. <laughs> yeah. So everything's going well and good until uh, Kelly reveals that it's her birthday in like a week. And I think this just reveals the dangers of a nonchalant birthday drop. Like, hey, we'll find out if it's your birthday. Don't don't tell us. And you might get thrown in a concentration camp. <laughs> yeah, no, it's pretty insane, actually. She's like, oh, yeah, you know, this is like the best kind of birthday gift I could ever ask for. Like, uh, I love like the first contact. It's so brilliant. Yeah. Um, and then, <laughs> yeah, she she mentions it again because the uh, first prefect asks her, he's like, what'd you say? She goes, it's my birthday next week. And then it's just, seize them! <laughs> it's like, holy cap, things take such a sharp turn. There's like, oh my god, P90s are getting hauled out. Like, it is it is no longer a, a friendly first contact, you know? If she hadn't brought up the joint birthday at be- in the beginning, Bordas wouldn't have, like, had to say anything at the end of the table, wouldn't have gotten <laughs> locked up with her either. <laughs> so know, this joint birthday did kind of screw him. Yeah, it definitely does seem like the whole idea of the joint birthday actually got them, yeah, in- imprisoned into, like, some sort of camp for, uh, I guess, what ends up being almost a month. It's, like, four weeks or something, they said. Uh, there's so much awful stuff comes yeah. from this. Oh my God, Kelly! At least it like, gave them the opportunity to, to bond, though, right? They wouldn't have bonded 
if it wasn't for this joint birthday. It really did join them together. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I guess, uh, I mean, yeah, no, you're right. When you're exposed to someone that long and, you know, you're kind of dependent on each other in like a hard time or whatever. It's like even though you guys weren't maybe particularly good friends before, and that's why Bordis probably um, would neglect like the birthday party um, to yeah. seek, like birthday uh, celebrations with his family. Uh, but now, you know, wow, after you've been through that together and you've survived, uh, they're thrown in, they're locked up and, and Ed is automatically like, okay, what's going on here? What's the meaning of this? Like, I did not expect this. This is not how first contacts are supposed to go. And they're put into uh, a holding cell, everybody except Bordas and Kelly, who are taken away to a much worse location. The second bald doctor comes in and, uh, well, after Tala pins him up against the wall, choking him, uh, she get, he manages to take a tooth sample from Ed, which, uh, on a rewatch, I'm not liking this because, uh, you know, I'm getting a root canal soon. So, you know, not enjoying that. But Yeah, thing, no, for sure. You'd be, like, I don't know if, about you guys, but, like, if I get any, a procedure done, like, a like uh, even, like, a filling or something in my tooth, I'm always feeling around, like, oh, that's different. Every time that Ed moves his tongue around his mouth, he's going to feel that little hole there where that little piece of tooth was. And go, oh, yeah, that was the time that uh, I almost got thrown to camp for uh, for my birth. For no, it's born. true, actually. I, I was thinking that when I rewatched it as well. Like, um, you know, he goes, it's not going to hurt or whatever. And man, that's a really intense grinding sound that you hear afterwards. And he kind of winces. I, I, anyway, yeah. uh, we don't have yeah. space travel, but we can uh, we can pull a tooth piece from you and uh, tell your age, so we know whether to to treat you properly or not. To, yeah, to rather like yeah, to be ethical or not towards you. But yeah, so uh, yeah, um, Captain Ed, um, our security officer, and our doctor each get a tooth sample, um, and it comes back negative. They're they're not Jiliac at this point in time in the episode. We still don't know what Jiliac really means. No. Um, so but it doesn't Ed, sound like it's a great thing to be in their society. Yeah, it seems very bad. <laughs> From what we understand, if such force is uh, you know used to even even on individuals that we're not sure of are Jiliacs or not, you know that's a that's in a bit of excessive force. The prefect um, says to Ed, like, we don't want you here. Uh, yeah, and- he tells him to go. Because this threatens their way of life. Like, if these guys don't go by the Jiliac code, they may have, they obviously would have more advanced science, and they would either bring in Jiliacs or threaten their way of life. So I think the prefect's position is pretty interesting, where it's like, how much does this guy actually believe in it, and how much does he want to just hold on to his power? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, um, yeah, if you look at a, a any large social group, in this case, it's an entire planet, the society is very based on this uh, astrological kind of uh, belief system. So let's say you had, you know, a group of people that believed in, you know, just one thing that they've only ever been exposed to. As soon as you question that, I mean, that's that's like everything to them. That's their entire society. Like, you know, if you're proven wrong, you know, that stars are sometimes just stars. Then, yeah, their you know, way of life's been going on like 700 years longer than the Christian, like the Christianity influence on the Western mm-hmm. world and a, lot, a large part of the world. And I mean, so, then if you look at it and if you're like, you know, to accept that maybe your belief system is, is incorrect and stars are in fact just stars, then you have to deal with like the ethical and moral like repercussions of mistreatment of Jiliacs, which is, you know, presumably a very large population. Yeah, exactly. And the prefect we keep calling uh, just prefect. That's the only title that he has basically on, yeah. on the uh, cast list. His name you're, is uh, John Rubenstein. He does a great job in this episode. He does a really good job, actually. He conveys like a lot of like extreme emotion, um, like you know, very believable, like good, good acting. But yeah, all we have for name is is first prefect. prefect, really. And basically, the assumption is that uh, Jiliacs are more violent, which is this form, this otherism, where if you're like, oh no, these are the bad guys, let's have ninety percent of us against these guys. It's very much otherism, a lot of a lot of like what uh, Hitler did with the Jewish people. Uh which is interesting because this episode aired on the week of the Holocaust Memorial like day. Oh wow. Yeah, so the timing was pretty you know, pretty spot on. I don't think that was by accident. No, maybe this is like quite a quite a big salute and like a remembrance to kind of like what happened and like let's not, you know yeah, it's hard not to think mistakes of. over. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely. Um, something I did notice as well is um, with the comparison to like Nazi Germany um, at the time, as we probably all know, um, Jewish people were forced to wear stars um, to identify them as, as Jewish. Um, in the camps, I noticed that there's like a red, it looks like, uh, sorry, like on their red jumpsuits, they have a black diamond that's actually looks like it's kind of disappearing almost. It looks like it's seeping away. So this may be referencing like the the collapse of the star, and, and they may not even really know it. Mm. Um, but yeah, I noticed that they all the Juliacs were 
were wearing a black diamond. That, hey, yeah. Well, I think that they're trying to say that the black diamond uh, brand that makes cheese strings, those guys are real, real sick sons of bitches. No, I'm just kidding. Oh my god. <laughs> no, I don't. Don't buy it for your hey, kids. Hey, if you guys want, if Cracker Bear wants to sponsor us, sure. I don't think Black Diamond's going to, but. I wrote down a list of the different uh, astrological signs that we saw that were revealed throughout the episode. So we all know Jiliac, that's the main one, and they're said to be violent. The month mm-hmm. after that is the Wasanda sign, or and they are the sign of future leaders. So maybe that's because like, hey, they're the star system right after. They'll be the future leaders to lead us after this dark period. And ah, interesting. We learned five of the, what we presume are probably twelve. There is Jiliac, which we know are said to be violent. Uh, Wasanda are the system right after they're the they're the sign right after it's the sign of future leaders which might be because the one system was taken by a black hole so they assign meaning to the next one like they're the ones that have to lead us from the ashes the other is um we learned there's a uh, one panaji and one korovan on the crew of the orville it's either ed dr finn tala or it might be it yeah yeah it was tala ed and finn who went down yeah yeah that, and Bordas and Kelly were, of course, did you? Like, oh, yeah, obviously. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. That's, Not to forget uh, about you, Kelly and Bordas. We, we know you're going through some hard shit. Yeah. And the other sign is uh, Valet. So I don't know if this is going to come up again or not, but uh, I thought it was interesting that they had all these different names for them. And it'd be cool to learn the meanings of the other ones. Yeah, it would be. Who knows? Maybe the uh, inhabitants of Rigor 2 might, you know, take a little bit of time, reconsideration now that uh, the events that have happened have happened. I'm not going to you know tell say it right now but maybe they'll reach out to the union again um after a little bit of time has passed to maybe reconsider some things right yeah well i'd like to talk about it that uh, at the tail end because i bet we're going to see them again because it's very precarious position they're left in mm-hmm. so i i realized while watching this episode you know those episodes of tv where they have juvenile kids to like prison to like scare them straight and so they don't mess around anymore they like show them like criminals and they basically like yell at them until they realize okay i should stop messing around <laughs> that's essentially what it was like for bordis like they bring him down and he was like okay you have to be okay with sharing a birthday you think it's bad sharing a birthday well you got to share it in this camp right now that's basically what it was <laughs> oh like. my god that's, that's actually god, that's great i love that actually Come on, yeah. Bordas, like, you find out at the end of the episode it's all, like, a big joke just to get Bordas to be okay with something. It's like, it could have been worse. We've been in the holodeck yeah. the whole time. Like, I, I will gladly share a birthday with you <laughs> on this ship. You know, it's like, yeah. all right, Mom, I don't want to do this. I want to go to prison. I'll gladly, you know, clean my room at the house, you know, or whatever. Exactly. So we are introduced to uh, uh, Admiral Perry, played by Ten Danson, which is great. nice of him to join us via Skype, <laughs> basically, uh-huh. is all he had to Thanks do. Thanks for tuning in, Ted, like. I never get pissed off with uh, Ted uh, with Ted Danson in shows, but Admiral Perry basically says like Ed, you can't do anything. When Ed goes up to him, like, remember what happened on Mocklin? You didn't do anything, which was a nice callback to the early episode in season one. We see Bordas and Kelly in the prison camp, and they meet uh, these guards. And one of the guards is like uh, this like white balding dude. He's like super good at playing a douche. Like he's really good at uh, just being super punchable. They get into a bit of a scrap, and eventually, which is like. What they almost want the like, you're like, see, you're JLX, you're violent or whatever, which is what you would be like if your your life is threatened based on who you are. You would either cower or maybe people would get violent. And the ones that cower, like, see, it's just under, it's just under the surface. They'll be violent eventually, or the violence will creep out. Yeah, I mean, um, if you're gonna subject anybody to this kind of treatment, like, yeah, I, I, I would probably become very. Um aggressive hostile for for sure yeah yeah like the juliet camps are quite a strange thing when you find out about them um like the society seems really um progressive and like willing to you know like they're reaching out like they should be quite mature um i mean i'm not going to say mature because their religion or their beliefs don't really have to conflict with with yeah the maturity yeah society I can see uh, why they left the camps off the tour, though. It makes sense to me. It checks out. Like, they know the uh, camps are bad. Like, they didn't tell anybody, but they know the camps are bad. But it's almost like, I don't, I, I don't know. It's almost like having Hugo in the attic there on the Trees of Horror episode. Like, they don't even bother showing it off. Like, showing him off, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess um, if they truly believe what they claim to believe, maybe they wouldn't even want to expose this um, on a first contact. Just or they just assume might... you guys have Jiliacs already. <laughs> you know, you guys know, like, basically, I guess, is there something? Well, that was actually, it was the assumption. You're right. Yeah. Like, throughout the episode, they're like, you must know what a Jiliac, like, Jiliacs, they're Jiliacs, no matter where they're from and stuff. So, I mean, yeah, they have, like, this kind of belief that's very close-minded um, and kind of unique to their star system. Um, yeah, it, it proves to be very problematic for for the Union. Yeah, in the camp we meet uh, Rokal and Yukania, who are a couple that have been in the camp for what seems like a long time. 
and we get a lot of like the view of the the life of a Jiliac on that planet from them and they they say stuff like oh we're Jiliacs we deserve to be here we belong it they believe that they are inferior to the others and it's that thing of if you keep telling someone they're terrible for their whole life eventually they're going to believe it yeah absolutely um it, it's pretty it's pretty moving in, in these scenes when you see them talk about like you know who they are and everything Rokal has a a brief quote and it's something along the lines of um we're we're Jiliacs. like you know we're pretty much predisposed to being criminals and violent and if it doesn't exist on the surface it, it exists deep within they really believe that they're inferior and that they're you know not equals at all it's so heavily it almost seems like it hasn't really been questioned by anyone in there like no um, it's just ingrained in the system yeah it's just such a core element of their belief that like they can't really question it perhaps uh ed has a discussion with the prefect it's i find is very similar to the talia ed discussion where it's like a like a debate about like belief and faith and rules and stuff like that yeah, absolutely. Um, it's not incredibly diplomatic. Um, yeah, so um, Ed and Tala, they show up and they're not very diplomatic. Like if they want to find common ground, they should try and really be more understanding of like their their beliefs. And they should I mean, it is a first contact, like you have to play by their rules unless you want to, you know, really paint like the cosmos with a very negative brush. So like they should really be like, I mean, I, I found that kind of to be a weird scene. Um, I thought Tala was a little bit, you know, harsh and like she wasn't very well spoken. And even Ed kind of lost his cool. I mean, yeah, obviously, there's this a lot was of Tala's only screw up in the episode other than choking the guy. But that that's warranted or whatever. Choking the doctor. But by saying like, oh, you know, we just judge people by their birthdays. Like sarcasm is not going to get you diplomacy very fast. Yeah, no. And I mean, I understand that, like, you know, the Orville is a, a like science fiction comedy. Um, oh, for sure. But, but in the scene, um uh, yeah, it's just it's definitely not an appropriate means of trying to get your crew back. I agree. We get a we get an address from the prefect, and he talks about oh, it's the uh, month of the Wasanda or the time of Wasanda, and uh, I'm pretty sure the prefect would be uh, Wasanda because they're meant for leadership, and I think that's probably a shoe in. I think they probably only really look to people. It's like, hey, you want to be the leader? Well, what's your star sign, right? I, I assume that's a part of it. Yeah, I would say you're probably right. Like, if we find out that, like, astrology does govern their, like, their planet, um, and if we know that, like, you know, Jiliacs are inherently violent and, and criminal in behavior, and we know the Basanda are, like, prosperous, like, great leaders and everything like that, I, I would say, yeah, like, a lot of it might come down to just, like, your star sign if you're trying to get certain, like, it could be, like, a caste system almost. We don't know enough about the other, what we're assuming are 10 other star signs. Um, we really only do get enough information on, on Juliac Masanda to really talk about them in, in any amount of depth. Um, yeah, it's the one we know the most about other than Jiliac's. From what we know of Jiliac and Masanda, um, like, we can say that, you know, it, it probably does actually have a huge impact on your life as whatever you were born as. Yeah, we're only seeing like a 42-minute snippet of their entire culture. So mm -hmm. it actually gives quite a bit of information considering. At the end of the scene, they close it by him saying, oh, the Wasanda people, if you're Wasanda, you'll be richly rewarded. Jump cut to Bordis and Keller receiving some weird slop on their plate there, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, so it's like, such a good like cut scene, just splack, and you're like, yeah, what? <laughs> yeah, really cool juxtaposition there. I like that. Mm -hmm, that was really good. One thing we forgot to mention is Yukanya is actually pregnant at this point of time, and time has been passing right before her eyes, and she's just starting to give birth when they're returning to the camp, uh, to their little, uh, what is it, their bunker there in the, in the camp. Like sleeping quarters. Yeah, their quarters. Whatever nature. Yeah, so Yukanya's giving birth, and she doesn't even, she says, like, I don't want any help, don't get any guards and stuff like that, because she know, doesn't want the kid to be taken from her. She knows the, what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, like, if her child is born under the Wasanda sign, then, I mean, the baby's going to be taken. So uh, she doesn't request for a doctor. Um, Kelly and Bordis do, well, not so much Bordis. Bordis runs a couple errands pretty quickly. Bordis um, tries. He asks if yeah. there'd be an egg, but other than that, he knows there's <laughs> not much else he can do to help. You know? This would be much easier with an egg. Like, <laughs> Will there be an egg? Yeah, I, I, I loved it. 
So he goes to gets and gets a, a bucket and some towels. I don't know. I didn't know they were handing those out at uh, at detention camps. But uh, hey, know. can I get some hot water? I'm gonna make some tea. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. So this was a really cool a cool scene because uh, Kelly. This would probably be the happiest moment of her last month. We learned like a month has gone by since they've been in the camp. She would have been going through a terrible time, but you can tell she gets joy out of bringing like a new life into this world as kind of dystopian as it is. It's a brilliant insight to Kelly's character. Um, like very, very strong, like capable, intelligent, um, like emotionally supportive. Like I think she's, I think she would be like a, a good salute to Janeway in a lot of instances. If you guys have seen Star Trek Voyager. Yeah. Um, very, this was like, my favorite and, Kelly episode. I thought she uh, killed Oh, oh yeah. She, like, man, this is such a good Kelly episode. We, we really, I mean, obviously we're following um, her and Bordas around a lot, but we, we just, just to see so much insight into like their, their, just like their beings, like what, get inside their minds really and start to understand them more. For sure. I thought this was a cool moment. And then you have like the biggest uh, philosophical debate of the episode where, um, the husband wants to keep the kid, uh, Rogar or uh, whatever his name is. Rogar. Rogar. I was close. Rogar on Rogar. No, it's uh, Rogar there. He he wants to – he wants he doesn't want to give the kid, but he knows, hey, it's probably a better life if we give up the kid. They could grow up to be a great leader. And you'd be a pretty good politician if you could tell that story. Like, hey, I grew up in a camp, and I started from the bottom. Now I'm here. Maybe. Yeah, no, totally. Although it would kind of hurt you if uh, they still hate Jiliacs. But I bet after the whole thing takes place and the Jiliacs are back, baby. They're back, baby. They're uh, back, baby. Yeah, yeah. I bet that uh, – that kid will have a great political future in that world. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a huge, huge, like moral and ethical decision. Um, as we know, Yukania, she does not want to give the child up. Like she, she says, no, like we're not giving the child up. We're not, um, like, uh, recall asks her, how long do you intend to like keep this child a secret? And she goes forever. And I mean, obviously like this woman has just gone through childbirth. Like she's put in so much effort to like enter or bring this life into this world. And you don't want to give that up. Like a mother's, um, you know, from what I understand, people see, you know, like their children and I, I am not a father. So I don't, I don't even want to give up my cat. This. So I can't imagine what it's like to have like a living, breathing, like miniature human. That's yours. Yeah. Just a little you, but I mean, as we find out later, very quickly, actually in like a couple of minutes, um, there is a routine kind of like checkup on the, I was going to call them inmates, but they're just born under the Jiliacs. Um, so there's routine they're looking inspection. for contraband. Yeah. 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 They start flipping towels or blankets, sorry. And they're asked, they're looking like no contraband here, no contraband here. Um, and they're about to leave. Uh, and Rokal actually calls out and he says, if you flip up the floorboards, uh, you'll find a Wasanda child. Um, they look kind of weird and they walk over and they investigate and they have found, uh, the child, um, Yukania does not take this well at all. You no, can absolutely sure. sympathize with her. Um, but I, I think personally, I mean, Matt, I think you'd probably agree with me. I think most of our viewers would, I mean, I'm not a, a parent, like I've said, but all we can really do, um, is probably just like try our absolute hardest to provide the best life for our children. And I think that's really what would really dictate like a good parent right like whatever's in your means like trying like your hardest and like growing up in an internment camp is it's not a life that anyone should no, really have I, I agree with recall here for sure and if you guys mm -hmm. see it differently just uh, shoot off in the comments there on facebook or uh, or uh, send us a tweet or whatever about it because i think it's uh it's a cool debate and they showed both sides of it where i totally understand the emotional side of it but to have your kid grow up in a camp. It reminds me a lot of Futurama with Leela's parents. Uh, spoiler alert uh, for those that haven't seen <laughs> Futurama, which you should. Her parents are mutants and they give her up so that she can live a life on the surface because she looks just uh, she looks different enough that she can get by as like an alien or like a cyclops so that she can live a normal life above the surface. But the mutants live underground in New New York. So that's that's kind of cool. That's a really good like it's a really good connection, actually, Matt. It is a really heartfelt moment. When you find out all of that and, you know, Leela's parents just wanted her to have the best opportunity she could. Right. And again, like this is, you know, parallel to to Rokal. Like he just wanted to provide his child the best absolute life that a parent could. Well, the most he could do in his situation. Either way, um, about 15 minutes is going to be irrelevant. They can have their cake and eat it, too. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be really great. Yeah, as we <laughs> soon find out, it's going to be phenomenal. Yeah. 
Oh, also a very big moment in, in this is after the baby's taken, one of the guards actually pushes Zucania down. This woman just gave birth, and, and they know this because they, they found the child. Yeah. Um, obviously, they're doing inspections for contraband, like I would assume daily. They would know that she was pregnant, and the next day she was not. Um, they, they, they physically like pushed her to the floor very hard, um, and that's when Kelly was like, this is enough. This ends now. Yeah. Um, Florida says, what do you intend to do? And she says, well... You know, I don't think it would be out of first contact protocols to act exactly as they want us to act. And yeah, they, we're one of them now. We're, you want to see some Jiliacs? We're Jiliacs now. We're rebel scum, to quote The Last Jedi, which uh, hurts me to do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I like that. It, it is like that. It's like, okay, I am a Jiliac now. Like, I think I've lived enough of a life that we're on an equal playing field with these guys. You know, Bordas doesn't really have superpowers. I don't think he has, like, super strength compared to these guys. So it's like, hey, we're breaking out now. You know, enough's enough. I'm not going to die not to break first contact protocol. And they're not even really doing it because they are basically. Yeah, uh, like, um, and, and, like in in regards to, like, the society, like, they're, they're kind of actually, yeah, like, they're staying in line with what is expected of someone from that um, sire sign and that it's just so funny it's actually a nice loophole I like it good one Kelly good on you one thing that Boris mentions as well they're still in the camp is that on Mocklin there's like their own special astrology system and ah, it's about the moons right yeah and I think that's why he might not like the birthday so much because his astrolog- astrological sign might not be a favorable one on his planet I actually had not even considered that I think that's that's a brilliant point to have noticed Matt Mm, um, I didn't even really think about it too much until, uh, you know, I got uh, the mind to turn in. But, uh, no, <laughs> I, I think it's cool. And that's why it annoys me if you're like, oh, it's just a di- it's just dick and fart jokes. It's like there might be a couple jokes in that, but we haven't mentioned any in the last, like, what, an hour and a half of content uh, that we've given you guys. So I think <laughs> there's a lot more to the show than uh, the surface and what p- people might have assumptions about the show. It, yeah, there's more to it. Absolutely. I mean, it is a comedy, but like it's still touching on like very, very like interesting, timeless kind of concepts um, that we as humans could have very likely experienced if, you know, history had unfolded differently or, you know, it's not too far fetched. Like, you know. Yeah, exactly. And while all the stuff is going on in the camp, like over the month, uh, the crew is trying to do everything they can to figure out the situation. They don't want to break the, uh, they don't want to break protocol, but they also can't leave their two friends in, a, in an internment camp. It's a tough dilemma. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, okay, we get to a scene, and uh, Captain Ed is talking to um, Admiral, Admiral Perry. Perry. Kelly's boyfriend's there as well. Um, they're trying to kind of, you know, leverage the Admiral a little bit, try and see if he can be a little bit more lenient. Um, he mentions that the Orville has been out of commission for a month and like, they really just want to get things back undergo. They're going to try and send their own diplomats out and he's given orders to leave orbit within 24 hours. So clock is ticking now. He's going to think quick. For sure. Then they realize that, um, they do a study about, I think it's, is it Tala that discovers the, the black hole or thinks to look for a black hole? There's a nice scene where she's gazing out in the stars. Um, and then she comes back with, yeah, like the brilliant idea to start scanning for a black hole. Yeah, I thought that was cool. They give them, they tell Lamar what to look for, and he tells Isaac, and they search and they find the black hole that was there 3,122 years ago, and it swallowed the uh, Jiliac star. Yeah. So, I mean, as we know, they're they're very based off astrology, their beliefs. Um, so uh, Dr. Finn says... That it's very likely that a, a planet um, in that kind of um, early guess, stage, yeah, in the early stages and that kind of belief system, that could be perceived as like a very bad omen. Yeah, and we find out that that is in fact why Jiliac has been kind of shunned, really. Yeah, shunned. Yeah, exactly. So that kind of fills in the blank, and it's like a smart thing, and it really shows just how even something as archaic as something disappearing three thousand years ago can dictate the future of hundreds of thousands of lives if not more yeah absolutely i mean i don't think the population of rigor 2 is ever really mentioned but you can assume that it, it's going to be not exactly but roughly a 12th if that's how their system works um if they have 12 months yeah so they devise a plan to make a fake star using a what is it on top of the ship it's like a reflective umbrella I... looking thing yeah, I don't remember what they refer to it as, but yeah, it's this um, big kind of 
octagon um, of like reflective material and it's supposed to be reflecting light back. So yeah, they're trying to fake the star's reappearance. Yeah, they put that on top of a shuttle and Gordon and John fly it out and they're like, oh, do you think this is working? Like, mm, uh, we'll see. <laughs> like they have like no <laughs> faith and thank God it does work. At the same time, they have to jam the uh, the scanners of or the satellites of the Rigorians, which is interesting because we learned that they're all their satellites are just for searching, looking at the stars and stuff like that. So most of their technological advancement has been hindered by their their lust for more knowledge of the stars. Yeah, it's true. Um, I believe Isaac's the one who mentions that. He goes, that would um, like confirm what I found. Like it sounds like their satellites have only been configured to track like the movement of the star not like the um, composition, like the materials or like anything that really has more, uh, I guess, scientific value. So yeah, like you're absolutely right, Matt. Um, I would agree with you. Their technology is advancing. Um, even with like their medical procedures, he said that they're one of the first hospitals ever to have like, you know, made this many um, incubators for these premature births. Yeah, which is a um, bad thing to be focusing on. Well, it is so a bad thing. You don't even thing. need the incubators. <laughs> no, I know. Uh, but, but yeah, it, it shows that their technology is very driven off, like, still, like, their astrological belief system. I hope it doesn't apply to animals, too. Like, you know, like, oh, that donkey over there, he's a Jiliac. Uh, we're going to hunt those ones. Like, that would be pretty terrible. I, <laughs> no, I don't think they go that far, but you never know with uh, these Regorians. They can be crazy. Uh, yep, it's another culture. It's a, it's, a, it's a different world. It is a different world. Yeah, so as they mount this mission to uh, build a, a decoy star, uh, Kelly and Boyd is playing their escape from the camp. It's good timing, thank God, because if they didn't, uh, if they did this even like an hour earlier, I think they'd be in trouble. Impeccable timing. Yeah, they sneak out and uh, they c- catch a guard by surprise. Kelly like whops him a few times and then sends him to Bordis, and Bordis just like beats the hell out of them. I like that. Yeah, it was really great. I, I love that scene there. It's just like thump, thump, throws him off Bordis, whack, whack. The guy's out cold. It's like tag team for the win. It was great. Yeah. They did a good job. It's cool because these uh, these guys use modified P90s, these Rigorians, which is one of my favorite weapons to use in uh, in, in in shooting in shooting games. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, guys, you've got P90s, we've got P90s. You yeah, know? they adapted to using those guns pretty quickly because I assume most of their guns have like lasers to shoot at them or something like that, or some energy beams or something like that. So yeah, I would say you're right. I, I'd say it's mostly going to be like an energy beam kind of system. But yeah, they uh, man, they just picked them up and they went to work on some people. Yeah, and these guys must not have been very good because Bordis like sneaks up to the guard tower and like climbs up a ladder if you can't hear like big ass Bordis coming your way then you shouldn't be on guard duty <laughs> sorry dude yeah I know it's true it's kind of like man take your like earbuds out you're on duty you've got a mucklin climbing up like a ladder behind you how do you not even feel like the reverberation in the wood you know yeah, I don't know what their end game was for this plan because realistically, just two people running out and then they do get stopped. Like right as they open the gates, there's like a van coming in. It, it's really risky. Plus, they don't even know like the rest of the planet, so it is a really risky plan. But the alternative is just to wait, possibly forever. No, for sure. I mean, like I know when I saw that, I kind of thought that as well, and I kind of went a little bit further and I thought, so what if they did get out? Like they don't have any means of communication with like their their ship. Um, it's like what are they gonna do? And this is something I kind of thought about. I want to hear what you think about it as well. I'm going to say that there's multiple, like, you know, internment camps all kind of clumped together. So it's like if you got out of one section, there could be others um, in other areas. They mentioned that there's more than one camp when they close them down. It says, oh, there's only one camp left open or something like that. Ah, you're right. They said, like, the last camp closed today or something like that. But yeah, what, you, yeah. what you said has me thinking, there's probably an underground society like Zion in Matrix uh, Reloaded of, like, Jiliex that escaped, the ones that don't uh, follow up to the label and believe that they should be in prison. So they get they get captured again, Kelly and Bordis, right as they're escaping, and they basically get held up to be executed. And wouldn't you know it, at the nick of time, there goes the, the Jiliex star, 100% there, uh, not coincidence at all. Yeah, we cut to the prefect in his office, and he's looking at the stars, and they're like, oh, they they say it's true, the star is back or whatever, and they go, what does this mean? He goes, change, <laughs> you know, because he can't, he has to go with it. That's the way the wind is blowing, and as a politician, you have to know <laughs> which way the wind is blowing, and Absolutely. he immediately changes and said, hey, you know what, we're going to have to, we're probably going to have to close the camps. Doesn't say it, but that's what's implied. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty crazy moment, actually, because um, this is like a recurring thing we see through the episode, this quote, uh, is just, the stars don't lie, the stars don't lie. So if he really believes what he's saying and the stars don't lie, like Jiliak has been, you know, relieved of its its burden for 3,122 years. Watch them, watch them just worship the Jiliaks like like more than everybody else, and they become like above everyone else, and it's just like reverse. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it's like Juliax came from great, awful, like awful place. Yeah, they can and... withstand the black, mighty black hole. Yeah. Oh wow, they could be like the next. Wow, they could be like the next Wasanda almost, like overcoming <laughs> that. Yeah, right. I didn't even think about that. That's why I like these podcasts because when we uh, bounce ideas off each other, you know, it ignites other thoughts. It's cool. Yeah, it kind of just like sparks flames, and you know, like I mean, loosely you want to stick to some ideas that you point out, but then you know, your your body just opens your mind to a whole other means of thinking yeah. you really have to take the time to consider it so what's cool is after they see the star and they're brought back on the ship they they make no they don't really talk about it too much it's just quickly done they're just back on the ship because you know we've only got 42 minutes and we told, told a hell of a story <laughs> it's been quite a story guys we've summarized yeah. a month into 42 minutes like yeah it's time for their, uh, you know, their joint birthday that's been foreshadowed for a while now, and it's, it, it's, uh, it's a fun one. It is quite a banger. Yeah, I, I love, I love the birthday scene. Um, I like how they don't have it in like a mess hall or like ten forward or anything like that. Uh, it's like right on the bridge. It needs. Well, they to make be a note here. of it so that they can I, I know, yeah. their crappy uh, little gift dance thing. <laughs> so, yeah, that's no, the it's... whole reason. That is what Gordon and John would care about. Like, oh no, no, we can't do this. We we risk the whole crew dying here just so we can get this little crappy animated thing. On no, for sure. So we're flying blind. Like, yeah, I usually hate those things as well when I see them, but seeing Bordas's face on it does make it fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I can kind of see how people would feel like either either way about it all. Like, it is a kind of a cringy moment. But uh, yeah. it, it's funny, oh, yeah. guys. They play uh, up. It's funny. They say celebrate good times or whatever. And uh, the third time <laughs> yeah. I liked it, it was celebrate good times. No camp. <laughs> you know? Woo! <laughs> a celebration. It's been a month. <laughs> we're, we're good to get out. Bordis, uh, I mean, you know, he should be happy as hell to have this joint birthday now. Yeah, and that wraps up the musical portion of our of our podcast. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you'll have to tune in next time to hear more of our great jams. Yeah, we'll be singing big band music with Seth. You know how he does it. No, but uh, what I like in the background which i didn't catch until i looked up on the wiki is uh is uh in the background they're teaching isaac how to do the robot which is pretty cool <laughs> oh no way i didn't i didn't see that i didn't notice that yeah right i thought that was a nice little bit you know you can watch the episode three times and still not catch everything yeah guys i'm gonna be watching it for a fourth time tonight perhaps just to see isaac <laughs> at least for that clip near the end it's nice uh we it's revealed that the uh, baby born on uh, on Rigar uh, that Kelly helped uh, bring into the world is named after Kelly which is a nice fitting tribute. Yeah, it's it's a very very sweet thing. Um, I, I just thought of it now. To remember them. I just thought of this now. Kelly's going to be a pretty weird name when you have names like Yukania and Rigar. It's like, oh, "I'm Kelly." Yeah, I'm Kelly. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. It's kind of like, "Oh, um yeah, I've you know, never heard of Kelly before. You know, uh, you know, an Earth name. The savers of her people kind of, you know, gave birth to me. Whatever, it's no big deal. Pretty much like the Messiah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that Kelly's got a bright future in politics there on Rigar too. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. I would say so. She's made quite an influence on at least one, well, two people's lives for sure. One interesting thing, which is probably the most interesting and thing for the end of this episode, they usually don't end on a cliffhanger, and it's not a cliffhanger, but they talk to Ed, and they're like, well, you know, what if they find out that it's a fake star? Which they very well could, because that's all their satellites do, is look at the stars. Um, it's going to be, there's going to be hell to pay, right? These guys are going to be super pissed and might want to, not maybe not go to war, but they're not going to want anything to do with the, the Union. Um. So yeah, Ed's really, like, he has to come to terms with what happens if, you know, Rigor 2 finds out that they've essentially been been duped. Um, you know, you've not only... I mean, you yeah, feel you, stupid, you, right? You already feel like these guys think they're telling you what to do. And now they're changing your entire belief system with one lie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like that's and, an It's such an abuse of the technology, right? Like if we know anything about first contact, uh, I feel like that's like a big no-no. Um, I understand, though, because oftentimes, you know, you have to do what you have to do to get your crew members back. And not only just your crew member, but like your ex-wife, like there has to be like a lot of... Like if not love, like like respect and like yeah. you know that person means a lot to you. Those um, are those are ex-wife and ex-husband goals right there. Uh, hey, I'm in internment camp, but you know uh, some guys would just leave you there. But no, <laughs> he goes and does everything again to save you. What a good guy. Uh, I mean, yeah, like as we know, Admiral Perry has already told him, like, no, you can't interfere. We have diplomats on the way. You're to come back in 24 hours. Well, to leave orbit in 24 hours. And yeah. instead of taking like his admiral's um, direct orders, actually, uh, he's just like, you know what? I will leave in 24 hours. Yeah, I, I predict but I'll a really, be damned if they weren't with me. Like, <laughs> I predict a very pissed off call from Theodore Danson later on in the season. That thing, oh. Ed, what did you do? He's going to go off on him. He already seemed pretty pissed this episode. So Ooh, I think he's going to kill him. 
he's gonna go off. He's gonna he's gonna explode on it. But uh, yeah, I would think so. This this season's been so good because there's there's been a slow build and there's stuff that they've left for later. Like Talia, you know, we're gonna run into her again with the krill. And now this, you know, we're gonna see the Rigorians, or at least I hope we are, because it's it's a big uh, you know it's a big cliffhanger, not a cliffhanger, but it's a big like what if scenario that it's gonna be on my mind for a while. Yeah, it definitely opens a window um, that's not easily shut. You have all these new species um, being introduced in this season okay so we met the genesee i mean obviously the krill is nothing new but like relations are moving forward whichever pace the shock taller a new race you think the genesee would be hating the um the mocklins uh, he would be yeah. hating them because they're mostly male and they only have one woman born every you know uh 100 years or whatever yeah like very infrequently um so yeah, they're, diamet- they're diametrically maybe. opposed which would be pretty cool i'd like to see them interact yeah no you're right that would be interesting if they maybe had um to provide safe passage or something to to one of these individuals and then you know maybe she um has to like be exposed to boredom quite a bit and you know, yeah like flash heads but maybe, maybe they can see past it all it's been a lot of good world building for sure Mm-hmm. Like we've definitely expanded our understanding of like the Orville's universe. Yeah, we get two shots when they're partying of uh, Ed looking over at Kelly when, and then she comes over and talks to him. And then even when she leaves, I think the last scene of the episode, the last shot is like him looking at Kelly. Obviously, you know, probably not entirely over her. And probably, I think they're gonna get together before all is said and done. I mean, like, come on, Kelly, cautious. Like he's he's an elementary school teacher on a spaceship. Like, uh, he gets a captain. <laughs> But he's like the generic like other guy. Like he's the other guy, you know. Just, yeah, it doesn't no, get much. Sure. Uh, I actually liked the relationship uh, a bit more in, in this scene where they showed uh, it's like, uh, oh, that see, that's just what Kelly's like. She's a cartoon character. She's gotta stop or whatever. I, I like that moment. It was it was nice. Yeah, no, I agree. That was a good moment. Yeah, just that final scene, everything that was going on there on like the birthday party. You know, despite Boris's original um, uh, assumption, yeah, I think he he seemed to be having a pretty good time. I mean, obviously. That has something to do with getting out of an internment camp recently, very recently. Yeah, um, but it's but like still, an episode for family. It's like, do you want me to send you to Korea? You can go to the war and go, go fight in Korea or Vietnam or whatever. Right. It's yeah. like, well, you know, you want to sell the birthday because you just got out of the camp. I mean, I'm sure water tastes better or you know, colors are brighter now that they're out of the camp, let alone joint birthdays. Yeah, I know it's I know it's uh, some time has passed since they escaped, but Kelly is pretty upbeat at that party for someone who like left the you know. Yeah, such I know a, you're right. It's like um yeah, you look at um I mean yeah, like you think someone would have like a lot of psychological trauma and so Kelly is so ready to get drunk on the bridge like. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, you'd probably need a drink after that. Oh hell yeah, yeah. I guess that pretty much wraps up the episode. So do 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 do. Matthew for eight million points. Yeah. <clears throat> sure, sure. Um, how many dishes were in the total array allowing the people of Rigor Two to contact <laughs> um, the Orville? Jeez, jeez. I'm gonna say what is nine? Uh, it's twenty-five satellite dishes. Oh, you know, I was in the ballpark. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they actually no, used. A, a tower from Japan as like uh, one of the uh, the locations on the on the globe. There is that when they fly in and you see like all like the uh, the skyline and everything, like all these I, like the towers there. Yeah, that or when they're like looking on like the planet itself. I think it might show it there. It's called like Fukushima Tower or something like that. I'll I'll get the actual name of it here in a second. But yeah, it, do you have another question? Uh, you actually have already answered all my questions, so I'm either going to have to start paying a little bit closer attention to the episodes and find some underlying um, trivial questions. But, but no, Matt, you've kind of like already got all my questions done. So. Okay, the building was uh, it's an exact replica of the landmark tower in Yokohama, Japan. So yeah, that, that's pretty cool. I've got a question for you, actually, and it has nothing to do with the episode. It's something personal that I guess uh, you're going to have to try to figure out. I'll give okay. you like I'll give you a hint as well. I've got a few Funko Pops. It is my addiction. I've got one Star Trek one. Have you any idea what it could be? Ooh. Um, can, I, can I ask any questions to maybe give me a tinsy bit of insight? I'll give you, I'll give you, a, I, I'll give you a hint if you want to hint. It's, it's in the Kelvin timeline, okay. which is the J.J. Abrams uh, verse there. Goodness gracious. Um, oh, goodness. I, I'm going to say I'm going to... Hmm. Do, 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 do. And if you guys uh, guess at home, uh, you won. Yo, is it Scotty? No. Oh. 
Uh, I'll give you another hint. It's a female character. Ahura. No. Uh, and she was... It, it's not. And another hint, she was in the third Star Trek movie was her introduction. The third Star Trek Beyond. Oh my god, wait. Is it? Is it Michael? Is Michael Burnham? Sister? Yeah. No, no, no. It, it is not. It, she was introduced in Star Trek Beyond. I don't think I've seen Beyond. I didn't watch the Kelvin movie. Well, there you go. That's why this is the shitty question. Then. <laughs> uh, the, the answer. The answer is Jayla, who is a pretty fun character. I like her. She reminds me of uh, Adam Maria. Is she the green girl? Uh, she, no, she's like she's got she's got like white skin and like black markings and stuff. She, she's really funny. She calls Scotty like Montgomery Scotty and stuff like that. It's great. <laughs> she, she's actually pretty great. She's like my favorite part of the movie. I, I thought she was great. Uh, great enough to buy a Funko Pop. Obviously, I didn't hate her if I bought the Funko Pop. I so, guess not. Uh, yeah, that was a tough question for you, and it was a really stupid one to ask. I just thought, hey, here's some tri- you're doing trivia. I'll give you something. That you're not no, no, I to- like that. That was good. I just gotta <laughs> brush up on my Kelvin. I'm just gonna have to start. Okay, guys, uh, my homework for the next week is going to be watching all the Star Trek movies from the new J.J. Abrams verse. Well, the first two are, yeah, I like the first one. Second one is meh. Third one is, uh, third one's enjoyable. I hope they do get a fourth. They're, they, it's in, it's in, it's in flux right now. It, they're saying it's not going to happen. Well, yeah, we I'm, can cross our fingers. I'm going to binge Star Trek. You're going to binge Star Trek movies, and then we're going to meet in the middle at some point. But yeah. Amen. Hey, guys, if you've got any questions, email us at USS Redenbacher if you want it read on the show. USS Redenbacher at gmail.com. Uh, you can write them also on our Facebook page, The Redenbacher, which is where we'll be posting most of our all the links and stuff like that. And we're also on Spotify. So for mm. your listening pleasure. Yeah, so far my marketing attempts have been in vain. I guess throwing a, a rock with a flash drive taped to it through people's windows hasn't really worked too well. I think my best guess is that the flash drive broke on impact, and that's why uh, we haven't gotten 3,000 views in our first week. But I'll take another crack at it. Expect <laughs> some rocks, guys. Yeah, I'd like to thank uh, Twitch Delic for our uh, our new theme, which is pretty great. I, I uh, look forward to more of his work in the future. He's going to help us with some more audio stuff that we do here. Uh, you can check him out on SoundCloud and on YouTube. Uh, there'll be links below as well. His name is Twitch Delic. He does some really cool stuff. I, I'd like to thank uh, Jeff Hicks as well for letting me advertise on his Facebook page, World Class Bullshitters. I'm looking forward to his upcoming comic book that he's uh, put on Indiegogo called Ceiling Solo. Looks really sweet. It's about uh, some guys that go see Force Awakens and are crushed, so they go and uh, kidnap Harrison Ford to make their own movie. <laughs> I think that's a cool concept, and yeah, I'm sure they'll be hearing from Harrison's lawyers. <laughs> parody, parody law is a great thing. So uh, yeah, shout out to Jeff, and thanks for letting me advertise there. Anything else uh, you want to say? I mean, I guess like as always, I guess this would be a great opportunity just to thank everybody i mean yeah like we love your support we want to hear more comments from you guys um yeah we just you know really want to grow as a community kind of together um for a shared love of the orville thanks for tuning in we hope to hear from you soon matt yes uh we hope to hear from you and signing off from the kentucky fried quadrant for commander ben bolero this is your captain matt murphy signing off